Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And you guys might notice I sound a little bit different. And also, there's no Jake here today. I'm actually at home. Um, we, with Halloween coming, I don't really have time to get into the studio to record anything today. Um, we're going to be doing a bunch of stuff tomorrow. We're going to have some really cool guests in uh, on the phone. So I'm really excited about all that. But I still wanted to get an episode to you guys on time. I think it's important. I really, I really value uh, your guys' listenership. So I wanted to make sure that I got you guys something. And, uh, you know, if you if you like the podcast, your friends will probably like the podcast. So make sure that you spread the word. We really, really appreciate that. So on the uh, on the Facebook page yesterday, I posted about the uh, electric RWB um, Tesla. And there was a bunch of debate, a bunch of arguing going on. And uh, I kind of alluded to the fact that the car is kind of cool, um, mainly just because it's I'm starting to start to grind to a little bit of a halt with how I think on um, electric cars. Not so much RWB. I kind of still feel like that's that stuff is kind of junk and kind of poser. Um, it's just especially with the appropriation of culture. We've been through all that already. So I'm not going to get into that too much. But the electric vehicle thing, I think it's time to possibly start looking at how to adopt this stuff into our hot rodding culture. Not because I want to. Because um, I obviously I still believe that you know motoring is best uh, best when it's a combustion engine obviously, but uh, if you look at the future and the way things are going with uh, electric vehicles and everybody wants to ban combustion engines and there was a couple people on the thread that said some stuff about oh hey don't worry about it you're still going to be able to drive your classic car, but I don't really think I don't really think that's the case I don't think you're going to be able to drive your car regularly on public roads. Uh, it might be something that you can do on the track. Uh, you cert- somebody made another, you know, the horse argument always comes up, but nobody's really riding their horses around on public roads like they used to. So um, we might see track only, you might see limited uh, limited use. Anyway, I don't want to get into that too much, but what I did want to do is I wanted to come back and read an article to you guys that I wrote a couple years ago around this time of year, ironically. Um, it had just started snowing uh, when I wrote this. I think it was about two years ago. And I think I did submit this to Jalopnik, but they kind of butchered it up and murdered the article. So I thought maybe I'd read it again to you guys and uh, maybe give you a perspective of of what I thought two years ago. Now, I haven't read this in a couple of years, so I might make some commentary as, as I go through this. Maybe I've changed my mind. Maybe I've not. All right, let's go. So this is titled Motoring as We Know It, an, obitu- an Obituary. And notice that I said motoring as we know it, not motoring, motoring as we know it now. Um, I, I really do feel that we are, like like I've said before, we, we're in the, the golden era of motoring where you can drive whatever you want, go wherever you want, good tires, your parts can be here tomorrow for your classic car. Uh, it's, it's, you could not have a better opportunity to get out there and drive. Even though the roads are being completely taken over by crossovers, you still have the the most epic roads it, it it could not be a better time to drive i guess i'll just say that um you can there's no there's really no regulation unless unless you live like in california here in minnesota we have no emissions so it's a total free for all you can really do whatever you want all right anyway the snow outside is probably going to stick the salt trucks are out here in minnesota the road and cars are covered with white dust the county lays on the road to keep us all from freezing to death in a ditch this means my 72911 is tucked safely away in the garage. I didn't even have a chance to take it out one last time. Winter rolled in more swiftly than usual this year. 
once again putting motoring itself in an extended stasis. With the 911 parked morosely in my garage for seven months, the rose-tinted glasses of motoring bliss are off, and I'm faced with the harsh reality that in my lifetime, I may not even be able to drive that car regularly on public roads. New generations are doomed for a dystopian future of self-driving A to B utility vehicles. Motoring in the sense of a national pastime will eventually decline, and in the meantime, everyone is celebrating the technology-first vehicles which telegraph its demise. We're all going about our motoring lives posting on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Snapchat. Viral videos of burnouts, burnouts and Gymkhana runs are everywhere. There are shows for everyone. You can watch two guys dial in a charger they dragged out of its coffin beneath a barn in Omaha and drive it to Los Angeles. The so-called influencers fly around the world, jet-setting, creating epic adventures for us all to live vicariously through from the comfort of our couch. Even if you're old school and don't indulge in the fantasies pervaded by the internet, the vintage motoring world is almost as good as the real thing. Cars are being loved, appreciated, and restored. Given enough capital, you can own anything car-related since the inception of the combustion engine. We really are in the glory days of motoring. So what is there to complain about? It's only a matter of time before the sensory experience and nostalgia of American motoring just isn't enough to convince legislators that we deserve freedom. This sounds like a, a bit like the premise for the book in a dystopian future trilogy, but isn't it? At least in the context of driving? Motorsport is half in the bag with the hybrids. Sensory deprivation at the track is in full swing. Earplugs aren't even needed in Formula One anymore. At what point does striving for performance gains sacrifice the experience itself? The discussion is no longer if electric cars will be the norm and if we'll even be allowed to drive, but when. The curmudgeons like myself will fight it, but soon we'll be overwhelmed. It seems like a long time away, but it's been proven that the human, the human mind perceives the years shorter the older we get. Now, in the last couple of years since this article was written, a lot of the countries around the world have started uh, thinking about when and how they're going to ban the combustion engines in their, in their municipalities. Some are local, some are countries. And if you look on uh, Wikipedia, there's lots of different countries from Austria, China, Costa Rica, Denmark, France, Germany, India, Ireland, Israel, Japan, Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, South Korea, Spain, Taiwan, and the United Kingdom. Um, so some of them are 2020, some of them are 2040, 20, some of them are 2030, and some of them are... Uh, new vehicle sales, someone are all production vehicles. And if you look, some of the, the diesels, like the diesel scrappage plan, there's lots of different things that are going on now to kind of slowly pick apart and pick away, um, I wouldn't necessarily say your right to drive, but how you drive, changing how you drive. So uh, with, with anything with a combustion engine, especially diesel, is kind of getting pulled back. And you'll see diesel go, and after that, you're slowly going to start to see petrol go. Because that's really the end game for all of this is to just get rid of the combustion engine entirely. All right, back to it. In the meantime, a younger generation is growing up. Kids are inundated with a talk of climate change and electric vehicles. Young boys and girls won't look forward to the freedom of a driver, the freedom that a driver's license represents. Fathers won't teach their sons and daughters how to drive stick in empty parking lots. Huge cultures existing purely as conduits for enthusiasts to get together will vanish. Without the experiences enthusiasts my age had growing up, and even today, what is going to inspire these kids to carry the torch? Motoring has been under assault, rightly or wrongly. That's a debate for another time. And when I wrote the article, I, I was kind of trying to reach a broader audience. Um, it's, it's wrong. <laughs> it's, it's wrongly. Um, that's a debate for another time. By governments signing World Climate Change Accords. 
Manufacturers are being forced to push to market increasingly complex and expensive technology to keep up with CAFE and other world standards. The demise of the combustion engine is not only inevitable, but it is planned. Consumers can fight it all they want, but governments around the world don't care. Electric vehicles are going to save the earth and your life, and there's nothing you can do about it. Now, I don't blame politicians for uh, thinking this way. I guess it's kind of their in their psyche as they're trying to save the world. No one goes to be a politician so they can not make everybody's lives better. At least that's my perception of how politicians act. So I kind of understand, um, but I also don't think they understand where we're coming from. But as enthusiasts, I think it's important to note that on the grand scale, we're a minority. As big as like Car Week and Ren Sport and Goodwin and all this stuff is, we're still a minority compared to the rest of the world who just doesn't really care. When they look at a car, they see a dishwasher or a refrigerator. It's not the same for everybody. We're still a minority. I envision the day in the quite distant future where I take back the keys to my 911, my family appropriated for me to protect me from myself. I'd lead a chase through a dystopian city, zigzagging around autopiloted electric machines. I imagine an equally stale populace deprived of sensory input for their own protection. The sounds and smells of an antiquated combustion engine would rapture off glass buildings. It would probably end up in jail time, but at that point, what difference would it make? Climate change policies are having an immediate effect on our hobby. This dystopian future is an ever closer reality. For enthusiasts, it's turning into a nightmare. If you think hip, always in the red, tech industry government subsidized cars, or even the latest super duper fast hybrid supercar is going to save us, you're wrong. If I hear that a $40,000 electric car does zero to 60 miles an hour in under two and a half seconds again, I'm gonna lose it. Who cares? Is that all that motoring is? These mainstream electric vehicles are not a replacement for the experience you know and love. This is all just a bridge to the inevitable. It's the placation of the masses. It's the unintentional black hood of climate change politics when it comes to motoring. We're transitioning to a world where it is no longer considered safe for you to transport yourself and no longer considered climate conscious to enjoy doing it. Morally reprehensible will be the term used for the car you love. Those willing to buck the masses will be rebels. Hopefully I'll have the courage to be one of those people, holding white knuckle to what was once a defining piece of American history. Society now knows nothing of the benefits of many Industrial Revolution breakthroughs. It only knows the fruits of decades of advancement. This is evident now more than ever. The new electric hybrid cars will never have a respectable heritage or pedigree. And I think that this, you know, the Mission E stuff has come out in the last year or two. And I just read a review on the, uh, I don't remember which one it was, not the uh, Takan, but the kind of the crossover one. This guy from CNET or CNN or whatever it was went and reviewed one. And he said, it was great to drive. It, you know, it could go on track, blah, blah, blah. But I just, I, I, I really don't think that that type of Porsche is going to be seen as having the same pedigree as some of the other stuff. You know, you have this lineage of the 911 as it goes through uh, from, you know, the 356 and obviously stuff before that too, but especially the 911 and on really walked in its own footsteps the entire way with the pedigree and the heritage of Porsche. When they shift over to this electric stuff, I don't know that that's really going to feel the same. You're going to have probably both cars are going to be out for a while, for a long time. And eventually they're going to start pulling the rug out from under you. They're going to start taking this hybrid or this electric stuff. And pretty soon that stuff's going to end up in a 911. It's going to happen gradually, but it's it's uh, it's for sure going to happen. So, But I'm not sure if that pedigree is going to stick anymore. We'll see how slow the transition is. If they do it slow enough, they might be able to get the 
uh, the, the pedigree and the history to kind of meld together. But if it happens too fast, I think it, it might be rejected. The tech side of the vehicles is so integrated in the fiber of their function that the majority of their benefits as we see them today will be worthless in a few years. Just like the iPhone you bought in 2003 just to keep in the basement just because it still works, the cutting-edge vehicles of today will turn out to be undesirable relics. They'll be great for recycling, but bad for writing interesting books about. They'll be inefficient, but in an uncool way. Sure, my 911 doesn't get the greatest fuel economy, but man does it turn the knobs to 11 on my senses. Not being able to pair your future digital whatever with your 2010 Tesla and having archaic apps and operating systems isn't going to be seen as romantic. We aren't building anything nostalgic anymore. It's a garbage time race to the top of the lazy don't have to do anything just yourself just because it's the safest, most efficient way mountain. Except they aren't competing against anyone but the consumer. Many movies have been made depicting a dystopian future where the banes of today's societies have been cured. Crime, pollution, risk, death, and any other number of evils. In the cult classic Demolition Man, Sylvester Stallone ends up driving an old 442 through a glass window, shattering the perfect world around him with the sound and underground rebellion that the car represents. In iRobot, Will Smith rips around another perfect future on an MV Agusta motorcycle. Both films show a system where the populace is stripped of risk. Film is often used to show that a dirty, filthy society that is free trumps a clean, perfect, and morally superior one brought upon by force. The plots revolve around human beings breaking free of this system, and the screenwriters have been, mo have been using motoring as an allegory representing the, that forgotten free society. In that free spirit is represented the inherent risk that you take driving yourself, essentially controlling your own destiny, and where you go, when, and how. Motoring isn't the only part of our lives that's being mortgaged under the guise of protecting us from ourselves. The real question is, is it worth it? Is sacrificing expediency and efficiency worth ceding yet another part of ourselves to someone else worthy of the consequences to the environment or future economy? This isn't to say we cannot have compromise. Throughout motoring history, there's always been the person that wants to do more, go faster, and overcome restrictions placed on vehicles like the speed limiters on ECUs. Society may eventually forget what a combustion engine is all about and why it was so cherished once, perhaps a new, but perhaps a new generation of tuners will take over the mantle. We'll have kids hacking electric cars, taking control of their operation. Maybe we'll have insane batteries and electric motors ported in from industrial applications. Perhaps it isn't the fear of death of, or motoring I'm afraid of, but the selfish fear of the loss of what I cherish the most, of what I know. I may struggle with an incurable myopia concerning burning fossil fuels, but it's time to admit that I have done nothing but carry a fading torch. Hopefully some of the warmth in my, ha in my hand rubs off on the future and all is not lost. Maybe us old car guys will inspire young enthusiasts and they'll do things with the new generation of cars we've never dreamed of. And I think that's where that RWB car comes in. As, um, I'm not sure those owners are really trying to inspire anybody, but um, I think they were trying to be the, kind of the first to market with something so stunning with, with the electric car. And I think I've seen a Tesla swap in an Audi. Uh, maybe it was like an A6 or an A8 or an A4, I don't remember, uh, as well. So he swapped the whole Tesla drive train into that. I think that's where things are going to go. The only problem is, is that it's really uninspiring, and uh, it just doesn't doesn't do much for me. When, especially when you think about doing a burnout, the sound of just tires screeching, really just isn't that great. All right, guys, we'll see you on uh, Monday. We've got a very special guest. We're going to have Ray Schaefer, head of Porsche Classic, is going to be on the podcast to talk about um, some of his projects, Porsche Classic. Um, we're also going to talk about the 70th anniversary uh, auction that they had at the Porsche Experience Center in Atlanta. So I really look forward to hearing from him 
we'll have some good things to talk about. Take care, guys. We'll see you Monday. I did it my way For what is a man? What has he got? If not himself, then he has not to say the things he truly feels, and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the